if you're a teacher, you know, you could be a, like a Sunday school teacher or a children's teacher. One of the unique challenges that I find, and I think you find this, when you teach the Word of God, it's not so much that you're learning and you're learning academic stuff, you're learning knowledge stuff, you're getting all this stuff in there. I, I think for me, the, the, the biggest challenge is the so what? Okay, so I'm reading this text or I'm reading this passage and I'm learning about that. What am I supposed to do? What is the so what? How am I supposed to apply the Bible? And, and that's kind of one of the things that you and I wrestle with. In, in the book of James, it talks about being a, a, a doer of the Word. We all want to be doers of the Word. So how do we apply the Bible? And when I knew that I was going to be coming to this text in James chapter 5 about patience, I'm like kind of looking over my shoulder going, okay, what's going to happen to test my patience? Is something going to happen in my life or my patience is going to be uh, shot and, and I'm just going to totally blow it and I'm going to have to learn something from this text. And so here's just a simple illustration. You can tell me if I've learned patience or not, and we can kind of roll through this. So we flew back from uh, Seattle and, and arrived on Tuesday. So, you know, Laura and I, we walked down, and we walked down to the baggage claim, and out comes bag number one, out comes bag number two, and that was it. There's no bag number three. Now, bag number three was an oversized golf bag that I had with me. So we waited, and we waited, and nothing came about. So, okay, it's not coming out. So we go to the gate agent, and we said, hey, listen, um, this is the, uh, the, the area for the larger bags, oversized bags. Did this bag come in? No, it didn't come in. So he said, well, let's wait. So we ended up waiting about a half hour, and it still didn't show up. So the gate agent says, well, let me do this. Let me, let me have your tag, and uh, I'll take the information. And what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you today. Um, I can't do this now, but when I go upstairs, I have access to a computer, and then I can plug in the numbers, and I can find out exactly where that bag is. But I'm going to call you today. Great. No problem. We head out of there confident. Everything's going on. I'm going to get a call today. Well, I didn't get a call. No call. So I checked my email, and I did get an email saying, yes, we did notice that you don't have a bag, and we're starting a process here. So good. I'm just going to wait. However, I did get a call. Huh. Midnight. Midnight. I am in a dead sleep, all right? I, it's midnight, and I'm sleeping. And you got to know, I wear contact lenses. I wear glasses. So I cannot see anything in front of me. And, and the phone is right there, and the phone is ringing, and I'm trying to see who it is. I'm trying to identify it. Do I recognize the number? Is it AT&T asking for something? You know how you go through all that. And I recognize the 206 um, area code. So I, I finally get it and pick it up and get it over and hit it, and no one's on the other line. They're just gone. And I'm like, okay, so what it's done is it's gone to voicemail. So I let it go to voicemail. And then on my phone, if you let it go to voicemail, you can, it'll, it'll print out, it'll read for you what has happened. So that's what I did. And hi, this is Sasha. And um, we found your bag. And if you just call this number, um, we'll tell you how to get connected with your bag. I'm like, oh, great. It's, you know, it's midnight. I'm not going to call them back. Not now. I'll just call them back in the morning. So I did call them back in the morning. Hi, this is Sasha. Um, we're working to get your bag back. Not a problem. And uh, by the way, leave a message and we'll call you back. Click, hang up. I'm like, no. You don't say, you don't say leave a message and then click and hang up. That, that's not what happens. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to call a little bit later after 930 thinking, well, maybe someone will be there to answer the phone. Same thing happened. Nobody answered the phone. Clicked. I, I, now what am I going to do? So I open up the email, and as I open up the email, there's a local number there. Great, there's a local number. I'm going to call the local number. They're going to know exactly what's going on. I call the local number. I say, hi, this is so-and-so over at, we are working hard uh, to uh, do all of this stuff. We're either working away from the phone or doing something else. Leave a message, and we'll call you right back. By the way, the baggage claim is open from 930 to 11. Click, hang up. I'm like, okay, good. 
Call him back, no message. Nobody, nobody answered, no message, nobody called me back. So I decided I'm going to go over there at 9 o'clock. You know, they said they're there. They're working hard to take care of all of this stuff. So I go over there at 9.30. Nobody's there. Nobody's downstairs. There is nobody from this airline in the whole airport. Now what am I going to do? So I head back home, call a different number, and they said, okay, by the way, here's the problem. They're not normally there from 9.30 to 11. They're there from 12.20 to 1.20 or something. Uh, well, that's what they did. So I went over there, and I went over there about 12.20, and there's the gal for the baggage claim. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And I'm going to go get my bag. And I run up to follow her, and I get to the, uh, the little room, and I look in there, and there's no bag there. And she takes my bag, and she goes, oh, this is for another airline. This is not for American Airlines. You've got to go back. So I went back, ended up having to go upstairs, talk to the travel agent, and lo and behold, there was my bag. They were able to get it. After all of that time, all of that weight, all of that stuff, I'm like, finally, thank you, I was able to get this back. But let me ask you, do things happen in your life to test your patience? Now, let's admit, that's, that's really a, a kind of a simple, simple thing. It's, it's really not a big deal. In the grand scheme of life, is that really that big of a deal for me to, to lose a bag? Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're waiting on something. Maybe there's something really bad. Maybe you've been treated unjustly. Maybe something bad has happened to you. Maybe something really, really serious is going on in your life. And what the Bible does is the Bible encourages us. The Bible challenges us. The Bible says, listen, we've got to be patient people. There's a reason for our patience. There's a reason why we can be patient. But in the midst of all the suffering, in the midst of all of that stuff, what we can do is we can wait. We can trust the Lord for who he is and what he's doing. And what James offers us in the book of James, in the midst of all the different things that James writes about, being a doer of the word, trials, temptations, all of these things, suffering, what James says, listen, I want you to be patient people. I want you to wait upon the Lord. And that's where we find ourselves in the in, in the book of James. So if you haven't turned there, turn to James chapter 5. And what I want to do is I want to walk through this text. Today. What James does is James has practical suggestions on how you and I, in the midst of pain and suffering, not a lost bag, but in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of challenge, maybe even in the midst of injustice, maybe you are at a job or you have been treated unjustly. What James says is, listen, I have some practical instruction here from God's word so that we can be a doer of the word. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. Let me just read the text again, and we'll kind of follow along and see where we go from here. James chapter 5. Hear what James, the brother of Jesus, says. Command, be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You, too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other. Brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers is an example of patience. In the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no or you will be condemned. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to read and to study and to take the word of God and to apply it to our lives today. And Father, I ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Okay, so there's no doubt in, in James, he's, he's wanting us to be patient. Twice he mentions this idea of, of, of be patient. 
And, and then he goes on to say, not only do I want you to be patient, but I'm going to give you three examples of people who need to be patient. He talks about the farmer. He talks about Job. And he talks about uh, the, the other things that are going on, the, the people who are suffering. He talks about all the prophets. He talks about all those. And then when he, is, he uses a similar word by the name, by the word perseverance. In the midst of painful suffering, in the midst of difficulties and challenges, struggles, and life, we need to persevere. And what he does is, is he's writing to Jewish people who've been dispersed. They know and understand the Old Testament. They know and understand the prophets. They would know about Job. They would know about all of those things. But what he does is, listen, I want you to know and be able to apply this, this um, uh, characteristic of patience. Patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit. What, what James would have us to do is to be patient people. So let's just kind of walk through the text and see what James would teach. Number one, be patient. Look at verses 7 and 8. Be patient. Verse 8 says, you too be patient and what? Stand firm. I I think sometimes when we think of the word patient, we think about the way that my mom uh, and and maybe my dad looked at patience. You know, when Christmas is coming around the holidays, when Christmas is coming, and little kids are always excited and they're asking every day, when's Christmas going to come? And and we, we challenge them by saying, well, you need to be patient. You need to wait. And when my mom, I was the oldest of four boys, and my mom sometimes would take it to the dentist or she'd take it to the doctor. We go get shoes. And, and she said, now what I want you to do is I want you to sit here and wait patiently. Yeah, right. Like that. Are you kidding me? Four boys and a girl sitting patiently? See, we have this idea of patiently. It's kind of sitting idly, waiting, twiddling our thumbers, going, well, you know, I'm just going to wait, and something eventually is going to happen. But I think when you examine the text, what we learn from the text is that patient is kind of an a- active thing. There's some things that we can actively be doing while we're in the midst of these difficulties and challenges of life. So, so what can we learn here? Number one, we can learn that patience is it's anticipation. When I'm being patient, I'm actually anticipating something. Look at verse 7. It says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Here in the context of unjust suffering, in the context of trials, tribulations, in the context of temptation, what's happening, James is encouraging people to what? To look ahead. Don't, don't look ahead. Look farther ahead. Look to the point in time where one day Jesus is going to return, and what he's going to do is he's going to take care of everything. Well, what does the farmer do? He he works the land, and then he probably plants the seeds, and then he tills and pulls the weeds and all that other kind of stuff. But what does he do? The farmer waits and anticipates a crop that's one day going to happen in the future. What is he waiting for? The autumn and spring rain. He's waiting for God to direct the rain so that then they can harvest this crop. And when James is saying, listen, one day, one day, Jesus is going to return. We're going to be with him. We're going to be gathered to him. One day there is going to be a new heaven. There is going to be a new earth. And by the way, James says it's near. It's closer today than it was yesterday. One day Jesus is coming. And by the way, it could be tomorrow. It could be next week. You know, there's a lot of people talking about we are getting closer and closer to the time of Jesus' return. So, so patience has this idea of waiting with anticipation. Second thing we learn is this. Patience is acting with restraint. Look at verse 9. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or, or, you, will be, or you will be judged. Here they have the idea of, of, of restraint. When you're suffering unjustly, when you've been persecuted, when you've been not treated fairly in your family, in your business, when you are being persecuted in some way, 
life is really, really difficult, trials, temptations in life, we feel like something is wrong. We feel like we are being attacked. And what we want in our heart of hearts is we want justice to be served. We want things to be made right. God created us on the inside for this sense of justice. We want things to equal out. We don't like to be treated wrongly. And we don't want to treat other people in a wrong way. And what we need to do at times is we need to not grumble and complain against each other. Oh, woe is me. I'm going through this again. Or, or, or maybe your complaint is against somebody else in the family of God. Going to complain against them? The Bible says, listen, don't grumble and complain about those things. Don't harbor ill will against them. What we need to do in the midst of this patience is we need to, we need to restrain ourselves sometimes. So far as it depends on you, Romans says, be at peace with all men. One of the, the, the wonderful stories that I love in the life of Peter is when he uh, was with Jesus, Judas is coming and, and Jesus is getting ready to be arrested. And Jesus speaks and says, do what you come to do. And then they're getting ready to arrest this. This mob of people comes ready to arrest Jesus. And Peter is going to take on everyone. And what does he do? He grabs a sword and he chops off Malchus's ear. He just waxes. It is one of the best stories that I love in the Bible, even though that we have the guy's name this happened to. Peter was not acting with restraint. He knew that Jesus was going to go to the cross. And yet he was going about doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. But what's interesting is that Peter later wrote 1 Peter. And I want you to listen to what he wrote about this idea of restraint, about this idea of ill will and suffering. Notice what he wrote. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with a blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. When was the last time when you were insulted that you gave a blessing to a person? Isn't that hard to do? Isn't that difficult to do when you've been slandered, when you've been misrepresented? He says to give a blessing instead, or because uh, uh, you were called to a blessing. Verse 10 says, For, quoting from the book of Proverbs, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from, de- from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and what? Do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Here is Peter writing from a context of restraint saying, listen, when we have suffering and justice, when life is really, really difficult, what we need to do is we need to make sure we offer our self-restraint and we need to speak well of other people. That's the application that when I'm persecuted or insulted, I need to find a way to make this a good thing by offering some kind of blessing to another people to keep that relationship Restored. A man by the name of William Barclay, who is a commentator and a pastor and a writer, he, he said this about our responsibility. He says, The great obligation which rests on the Christians is just this. He must be as patient with his fellow men as God has been with him. Let me ask you, has God been patient with you? Is God patient with you? Man, God has been really patient with me. Shouldn't I offer the same thing? to my spouse, to my family, to other people in the family? Shouldn't I be patient? Shouldn't I be long-suffering? So we have this idea of, of patience as waiting with anticipation. It has the idea of waiting with restraint. Notice also, it's, it's, it's ready with strength. It's waiting with strength. Look again at verse 8. It says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is... Stand firm. You know what it means to stand firm? It has the idea of, of not being faint-hearted. It really specifically means this. Establish the heart. 
Isn't that an interesting phrase for standing firm? Establish the heart. I, I wonder if what James is saying, listen, I want you to be a doer of the word, so I want you to make sure that the word of God is solid in your life. And I want to make sure that you're around Christian people who can build you up, who can admonish you, who can help you, who can establish you in the faith, and also recognize that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And as you look to and trust Jesus for who He is and what He's done in your life, you are going to establish your heart. My mind, my heart, heart, my will, is guided and directed by the spiritual resources that God has given to us. And that is how I can stand firm. By the way, over and over, we are challenged to stand firm in the Lord. Not not, not in my strength, but stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty strength. Rely on the word of God. Listen, James wants us to be people who stand strong and be doers of the word of God, James chapter 1. I believe in the book of Hebrews. We have a way that we can, if you will, establish our faith, a way that we can to stand firm. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. He said, listen, look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus respond when he was persecuted? How did Jesus respond to all the hateful things that happened? We need to consider, that the idea has, consider means to meditate. It means to, to, to look deeply into something else. Consider the life of Jesus. Consider who he is and fix your thoughts and your intentions, not necessarily on the circumstances that I'm going through, on the people that are, are, are in my life, but on the person of Jesus Christ and the example he is of what? Enduring in the midst of pain and suffering. There is a sense of joy in his life, knowing that God is going to get me through this. See what patience is? It's anticipation. It's restraint, it's strength. And one final thing is this. Patience is is perseverance. It's not just sitting around doing this, but it's persevering. Look at verse 11. As you know, Jewish people, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. When he uses, when James uses this idea of perseverance, it's a different word, but, it, but it's similar in its understanding. It means this, it means to bear up under pressure. It means to hang in there. It means to continue to move forward. It means don't give up. In the midst of life, in the midst of challenges, don't give up. Keep fighting forward. Trust on the resources that God has given you. And what you will do is that you will persevere. You will move ahead. You will do it what God has called you to do and to hang in there and to move forward and do the things that he would have us to do. So what is patience? It's anticipation, it's restraint, it's strength and perseverance. Why would James be giving this instruction to these people? Why would he be doing that? Because maybe the tension in their lives and the tension in our lives is to give up. I said, well, you know what? I've tried all of this stuff and I'm, I'm still struggling I'm still fighting this relationship over here, and this hasn't been right, and I'm still not healed the way that I, I thought that I would heal. Isn't there this tension of, of us wanting to give up, of wanting to quit? I think that's the tension that he's dealing with here. He's saying, listen, what I want you to do is I don't want you to give up. I want you to look back on all the things that God has done. I want you to look back on all the resources that we have. I want you to look back to the Old Testament 
the, 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 the patriarchs, I want you to look back to all of these people, look at what happened in their lives and emulate their faith. Think about the, the people going through, um, the, the, the pro, going into the promised land and coming out of Egypt. Think about Mordecai and Haman, Haman trying to kill all the Jews. Think about all these people who persevered. Think about Abraham. Did Abraham wait? You bet he waited. What about Joseph? He waited. What about all of these, David and Saul and, and Ruth and all of these people in the Old Testament are given to us for a reason so that we can read about their lives and how they dealt with life in the midst of difficulties and challenges and how we can learn from them and grow from them. And, and that's what James is going to say. Look back. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. You want to know one of the reasons why the Bible was written, why we have scriptures? Notice what he says. Paul, the Jew, writes this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. I cannot tell you how important it is to be in God's word. I cannot tell you how. I believe that it's absolutely critical to our faith, that every day, maybe not legalistically every day, but weekly we are in God's word, reading God's word, meditating on God's word, asking God, what is it that you would have for me today? Lord, I am really struggling in this area today. Will you help me? God, I cannot do this. I cannot do my job. I cannot do this relationship. I cannot do any of these things. What I need is your help. I need your help. Will you help me today? And what James says is, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three examples of people who are extremely patient. So you can learn from them. Let's just kind of walk through the examples. Three examples of patience. Number one, you need to be patient and wait for God's timing. Look at the farmer, verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rain. What is James' point? A farmer is absolutely dependent upon the sun, the rain, the elements, all of those things that he has absolutely no control over. All of those things are controlled by who God is and what he would do in their life. And so what you need to do is you need to wait patiently if you for God's timing and all of these things. And God is going to bring not only the spring rains, but he's going to bring the autumn rains so that you, farmer, are going to have a crop. And these Jewish people would know that. They could simply look back in their history to the book of Deuteronomy and know where God was at as they entered into the promised land and what God had promised he would do with the land from them. Notice what he wrote, Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 11. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And notice what he writes. It is the land your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. In other words, listen, God cares about you. He cares about your agriculture. He cares that you have food. He cares about you. He wants to bring the spring rain. He wants to bring the autumn. He wants to bring all of those things into your life. Verse 13 says, So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, then I will, what, send you rain in the land in its season, both autumn and spring, Rain so that you may gather in your grain new wine and all. In other words, they're saying, you and I, they needed to wait on the timing of the Lord. God will bring the rain. God will bring the spring. God is going to take all of those things and he's going to help you at this particular point in time. And that's what James talks about over and over about the timing of the Lord. And so one of the things that we learn from the farmers is, listen, God's timing is perfect. 
Sometimes we have to wait for God's time. Are you waiting for God's timing for something? I could probably list two or three things in my life that I could say, Lord, I've been waiting on this one for a long, long time. Where are you at in the midst of this? God calls us to wait. Second thing we learn is this. In the midst of persecution, sometimes we have to wait for justice. And he uses the prophets as an example. Look at verse 10. Brothers as an example of patience. You want an example of patience, people? Here it is. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. Let me ask you, what's the role of a prophet? Most of the time it's to tell the people to repent. Thus saith the Lord, repent and change your ways and go back. Go back and consider all of the prophets. What happened to Elijah? Elijah ended up having a run. What about Jeremiah the prophet? I mean, how many prophets lost their lives by simply proclaiming the word of the Lord? And, and what, what James is saying, take a look at the prophets, see of all the difficulties and all the challenges that they would, and emulate their life and see how in the midst of all of that suffering, they still persevered, they still hung in there, they didn't give up. He said, listen, the, the farmer has to wait for God's perfect timing. The, the, the prophets have to wait for sometimes justice to be done. And the third example of suffering is this, the life of Job. Sometimes you suffer in a way that it is not feeling very well. Maybe it's a a relationship. Maybe it's something physically going on. Sometimes we suffer. And what God does is through his word, he reminds us of the person of Job. Look at verse 11. He says this, You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Are you familiar with Job? When was the last time you read the book of Job? If you read through the Bible, you read through it once a year. Man, Job was a hard book to read at times. When you see that all that he had gone through, all that he experienced, all that God allowed to come into his life, that allowed Satan to come into his life, loss of his family, loss of everything. He's sitting there. He's got boils on his body. His wife has said, curse God and die. And he's scraping his body because of all the pain and suffering that he's gone through. And yet he's not. In the midst of all that, he's not going to deny God. Though he slay me, I'm still not going to curse God. And what James simply says is, listen, Job persevered in a mighty and a powerful way. Emulate his life. Look back to him. Learn from all of the different people in the Old Testament who suffered in a mighty way and yet persevered in a way that God was honored and God was glorified. Are you familiar with the sufferings of people? I think of Stephen Curtis Chapman, lost a a child one, one year. I can't imagine how difficult that was. Tragic accident. Elizabeth Elliot, there's Jim Elliot and the Aka Indians. I, I've read a lot of her books because I want to learn about her. I want to read, I, I, how did she do this? How did she persevere in the midst of this? Joni Erickson Tata, are you familiar with her? Woman paralyzed at the age of 16. I love reading about these people. I love reading their autobiography because what they do is they give me an opportunity to learn how they move forward in the midst of pain and suffering. So when I went to Seattle, I spoke on considered all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. And I used the illustration of Lois Blake, Lois Lanham, and how she lost Tim Blake. And what I brought to the people there is I brought her book, the book that she had written, A Garment of Praise. And I, I wasn't sure if anybody would take them. Um, a Garment of Praise, written by Lois Lanham, is about what God had done in the midst of uh, her and her family in the loss of Tim. 
And I wanted to make those books available, and guess what? They were gone. They took them, and they're going to pass those books around because they want to read about suffering. They want to read how we can learn from other people in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. And those books are gone, and they're going to pass that book around. What, what, what James reminds us of is there are examples of people who suffered. The farmer waits for God's timing, the prophets for the suffering to be, uh, the persecution, the injustice to come. Uh, the last is about this, this idea of God removing the pain and the suffering in our life. God will meet us where we need to. Last thing I want to bring out from this text is this. Patience has hope. You know, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, man, I, I've been going through this for a really, really long time. This is really hard. When James unravels all of this, patience is attached to hope, something that God is going to do in the future. And let me just wrap this up by pointing a couple of things up. Let me point out five applications, five ways that we can learn from this. Number one, we have a specific hope in the idea that Jesus is going to return. We touched on this earlier, but let me just read verse 7 again. Be patient then until the Lord's coming. Verse 8 says again, the Lord is, is near. I, I find it interesting that he doesn't say, well, be patient until the injustice is passed. Well, maybe the injustice won't pass. Maybe the pain and suffering won't go away. Maybe it's still going to be there. What is he saying? Assistant? One day, Jesus is going to return, and I want you to be patient until the day that Jesus returns. I want you to be faithful until the day that Jesus returns. Over and over in the Bible, we are reminded in a positive way that one day Jesus is going to return. Why do we need to be reminded of that? Because in the midst of pain and suffering and justice, we want to know that God is going to intervene. And he's going to take care of all these things. So there's a specific hope that we have. One day Jesus is going to return. Second thing we can learn is one day justice will reign. Verse 9 says this, Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is what? He's standing at the door. Justice will continue because we're all sinners and we're all broken people. And I do bad things and you do bad things. And I hurt my family sometimes and I I hurt my wife sometimes. and, And I hurt all of those people. And sometimes you and I, we are going to suffer unjustly. I wonder if some of us are going to lose a job as you continue to hold on to your faith. I wonder if something's going to happen in families as we continue to walk down this line of navigating what it means to live for Jesus in the midst of a culture that wants to push us out, wants to get rid of us, depending on the values, the convictions that we have. Injustice is going to continue to roll toward, uh, toward believers. But, but notice what he says. One day, the judge who's standing at the door, he's going to make sure everything is correct. Everything will one day be the way that it should be because we have a God who knows, we have a God who sees, we have a God who will one day directly intervene, and he will make all things right. We can trust him for that. There's a man by the name of N.T. Wright, and he wrote um, a a book called Simply Christian. And, And this is what he writes, and I think it's important for us to remember. Notice what he says. He says, or can we say, if... We like that the reason we have dreams, the reason we have a sense of memory of the echo of a voice is that there is someone speaking to us, whispering in our inner ear, someone who cares very much about this present world and our present selves 
and who has made us and the world for a purpose which will indeed involve injustice. Things being put to rights, ourselves being put to rights, the world would be rescued at last. One day, Jesus is going to step in, he's going to return, and justice will prevail. And you can count on that, even if you don't experience a new sinless life. One day it's going to be made new. Third thing we can learn is this, the specific hope of patience is blessing. God wants to give blessing to our lives. Look at verse 11. And you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance of seeing what the Lord has finally brought about. You know, it's easy when we're going through difficult times to think, man, God's forgotten about me. I'm just out here, I'm one of five billion people on this planet Earth, and God has absolutely forgotten about me. God didn't forget about Job. God didn't forget about Joseph. God didn't didn't forget about David. God didn't forget about uh, Ruth and Naomi. God God doesn't forget about his people. And and what he reminds us is this, that one day the blessing will come. We may not experience in this life, but one day the blessing is going to come in my life. As we persevere, as we hang in there, as we trust the Lord for who he's and what he's done, no matter what we've gone through. You realize that God's child, you're going to experience Glory, you're going to experience blessing in your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that the present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will one day reveal in us. There is a specific blessing that you and I are going to have when we persevere and we hang in there in the midst of Suffering. Two last applications. Patience has a specific hope, and that's this. God's character. God's character. Verse 11, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. It means this, that God knows what's going on in your life, and he's full of compassion, and he's full of mercy. He knows exactly what you're experiencing. He knows exactly the difficulties and the challenges. He knows about your work situation. He knows about your family situation. He knows what's going on internally. He knows all of those things about you. And he's full of compassion and he's full of mercy. And what we have is we have the idea of God's character being given to us in a way that's mighty and powerful, in a way that reveals himself to us. One last thing, and we're done, is this. The last motivation is this. Patience has a specific hope, and that's integrity. That we would be the kind of people that are doers of the world, that we would live out our faith in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, and we would do it in such a way that our integrity is preserved. Look at verse 12, and we're done. It says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you will be condemned. Basically, saying, listen, be people of integrity, be people of character. As I trust in the Lord, as I trust in the revealed word of God always given to us, as I trust in the people who are around me to help me, to encourage me, to build me up in my faith, as I rely on the Spirit of God inside of me to to help me, to encourage me, to teach me. What God does is, is God gives me the patience that I need to be an example of who He is and what He would have for us. Listen, it is not easy right now. There are so many things. I can barely watch the news anymore because there's so many things bombarding our lives from this virus to disruption all over the world. 
And, and what I need to do is I need to make sure that I'm looking to who Jesus is and what he's done. I need to fix my eyes and my attention on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I know that as I do that, God is going to give me, he's going to give you the patience that we need to navigate life. Be patient. Look to the example of others and understand what God wants to do as we wait on him, as we patiently wait on him. Father, I think of the book of James and all that, all that he wrote about life and how difficult life was. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, the temptations that would come into our lives, how we have a tendency to judge people unfairly, how we have a tendency to be presumptuous about life and our need for wisdom and all of those things. And Father, we simply come to you this morning, opening our minds and our hearts to you, to who you are and what you would have for us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be patient people. We're patient with ourselves, patient with our family members, patient with those who specifically are, or might not be following Jesus. They may be unbelievers that come in and through our life. And I pray that you would give us great patience to act in such a way that would ultimately point them to you. Father, help us to be people who give a blessing as we wait for the blessing that you will give to us. Father, we thank you and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.